Anyway, in Mark chapter 2, we're going to find that uh, Jesus was uh, in this particular place. He was in Simon Peter's house. And we're going to start out with a question this morning. How do you know when Jesus is here, when he shows up in the Lord's house? How do you know that? How do you know when he's here in, in your heart, in this house? And I think the scripture will point out some things that maybe would help us to see the signs that Jesus is really present. I think he's here this morning, don't you? I believe he's here. So anyway, let's look at some of these signs and we'll see if we can identify some areas where we know for sure when he shows up in not only this house, but we've got to be sure he's in this house right here. Some time ago, there was a show that aired on television about 1956 called To Tell the Truth. How many remember that, To Tell the Truth? Okay. To Tell the Truth, uh, they had some contestants there, and there were three people, and the three people all had the same names, and they had the same story. But one of them was telling the truth. The other two were telling a lie. It was an outlandish story. It was hard to believe. But then they had some uh, guys that were on the panel. Usually they were Hollywood types, and they were trying to determine which one of those three was telling the truth. Sometimes they'd get it right. Sometimes they would get it wrong. So at the end, they would say, would the, uh, would the real so-and-so please stand up? Y'all remember that? And then that real person would stand up. So we're going to try to see how to identify the real Jesus. Is he here? Is he right here? There's ways to do that, I think, from this text. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again, and this particular version uses the word he, but we know who he is. It was Jesus. And again, Jesus entered, in, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was told that Jesus was in the house. It was a real house. We think it was Simon Peter's house. The real Jesus was in a real house. But obviously, I want to use, uh, use it to represent a couple other things. And one is the Lord's house, and one is the house of your heart. And that's probably the most important of the two. Because Jesus is not always present. Jesus is not always present in the Lord's house. You could go across the country and look at churches and attend a few services, and you wonder, is Jesus here? And the answer is probably no. So uh, you look back at Revelation, and you see a church called Laodicea, and at the end of that particular text, it says, Behold, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So he obviously wasn't in that church. He was on the outside wanting to get in. The church at Laodicea had become lukewarm. The church had uh, got themselves stuck in a rut. They let tradition in the church. You know what tradition is, don't you? Doing the same thing the same way all the time. So they let tradition replace truth, and they let self replace sacrifice, and all of a sudden they found themselves in a spiritual rut, and Jesus was on the outside wanting to get in. Sadly enough, that still happens today in churches, and sadly enough, that still happens in Christians' lives. We get stuck in a rut many times, don't we? We get in a spiritual rut. We come to church, we sit down in a pew, we know when to sing, we know when to bow our heads and pray, we know when to do this and when to shake hands and all those things, and we go through the motions, but Jesus is maybe not have the same place that He used to have. So we have to ask ourselves the question, and you might have to answer it before you leave here today. Is Jesus in this house, and is He in your house? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? And so we're going to look at some things from Mark chapter 2, and 
See how we can tell. Mark chapter 2, verse 2, we'll begin there. And straightway many were gathered. It had a big crowd that day in that house. I don't know how big the house was, but obviously a big crowd. Many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door. They even had the doors packed full. Obvious fire hazard going on there too, so there was a lot of stuff going on. The place was full of people. Right there is the first key. When you know Jesus is in this house and Jesus is in your house, people will be a priority. People will be a priority. It won't be the priority, but it will be a priority. Jesus is the priority. He's the reason why we're here. But people will be second to him, second to Jesus. People will be a priority because we find in Scripture time after time after time where Jesus loved people, where Jesus was a people person. He was, uh, loved all people. He loved the cast-offs of society, people that other people didn't want anything to do with. If you don't believe me, someday when you get to heaven, and I trust you all will be there, you sit down and talk to a woman that met him at the well. She was a cast-off society. But Jesus loved her enough to sit down and talk to her and tell her about the living water. And praise God, she accepted Jesus right there. She accepted that living water, and you'll meet her in heaven because Jesus loves cast-off people. You may be here this morning. You may feel like you're cast off. You, you may feel like society wants nothing to do with you. Let me tell you this morning, Jesus loves you. He loves cast-offs. Jesus loves people that's going through storms in life. You know, we just come through some storms, but I'm talking about emotional storms. You may be here today, and you're going through an emotional storm of some kind. I don't know what it is, but Jesus does, and trust me, he loves you this morning. And if you'll just trust him, he'll help you through that storm. Ask the disciples someday when you get to heaven about their boat ride when a storm came up and they were scared. And Jesus came to the rescue. Calm the waters. There's nobody can calm the waters of life like Jesus can. Because Jesus loves you when you're going through the storms of life. Jesus always showed up at a funeral, you notice in the Bible. He showed up at the widow of Nain's son, passed away, and what happened? There was resurrection. Jairus' daughter, he showed up, and there was resurrection. He showed up at the tomb of Lazarus, and there was resurrection. In fact, you'll not find anywhere where Jesus showed up at a funeral that there wasn't resurrection. Praise God! Jesus loves you when you're going through loss like that. Jesus was a people person. And if you know Jesus and you want to know if the real Jesus lives within your heart, then people will be a priority with you. And, and if he's real here today, this church will embrace people, all people, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. He loves them all. People will be a priority. Even unthankful people like those folks, those ten lepers that were healed, and only one was thankful. He loved them all, even though only one was thankful. He healed the lame. He even loved enemies. You remember the situation in the Garden of Eden where somebody lost their ear. Peter got a little rambunctious and chopped off the soldier's ear, Malchus's ear. And what happened? Jesus loved that man, that enemy, and put his ear back on. Jesus even loves his enemies. 
Hey, you want a real proof that Jesus loves all people? He healed Peter's mother-in-law. What can I say? (laughs) He loves everybody. And so here this morning, since Jesus was such a people person, that's why he came to this earth. That's why he was born. That's why he walked up Calvary's mountain and died on the cross. That's why he's coming back again someday for you that accept him as Savior because Jesus loves people. People's a priority with him. What's that tell us? That if we really have Jesus in our heart, people will be a priority. That means we'll go throughout Volusia County and we'll invite people to Christ and we'll invite people to First Baptist Church and we'll keep inviting people till there's no more room in these new buildings that we're building out there. And building one will fill up and building two will fill up and building three will fill up and building four and many more and we'll keep building until every single soul in Volusia County knows Jesus as their Savior. People must be a priority. That's how you know the real Jesus is present in this house. And if you don't love people and you call yourself a Christian and you don't love everybody, regardless of the color of their skin or where they're from or their education or their background or the money in their pocket, if you don't love them all, then you better check your relationship with Christ because something is wrong. Something's wrong. People must be a priority. Well, let's move on. Something else can identify here. We know when Jesus is in the place, preaching will be practiced. In Mark chapter 2, the rest of that chapter says, and he preached the word unto them. If the real Jesus is present, not only will you love the word, but in this house, the word will always be preached. Not a word, the word. And there's only one. The real word will be preached. It's already been preached in song. Thank you, Brother Ken. You've heard the word in song already. Now you're hearing it being preached, I hope. But it'll be preached. The real Bible. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The ugly along with the pretty. All about heaven, but all about hell. They'll be preaching about creation from this book. And you'll be preaching that evolution is a lie of the devil. They'll be preaching from the truth of this book. Yes, Noah did build a big boat and had faith in God, and he and his family were saved. That really happened, although it never rained on the earth before. They'll be preaching about David. He did kill a giant with just one stone. They'll be preaching about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den. You'll even hear preaching if the real Jesus is here about the virgin birth of Christ. He was born a virgin. It's in the book. He did live a sinless life. He did go up Calvary's mountain and die on the cross for your sins and for mine. He did rise again the third day. And folks... He is coming back again. I said he's coming back again. And he's going to take his church home. And if you think what you've seen here with Hurricane Irma and all those things like that has been tribulation, pardon my king's English, you ain't seen nothing yet. You don't want to be here. You need to know the real Jesus 
and leave this place when he comes back. Because at the end of that, my book says, the book says, he's coming back in power and glory, King of kings and Lord of lords. There'll be the judgment seat of Christ. There'll be the thousand-year reign and then the great white throne judgment, the great judgment at the end of time. And heaven is real and hell is real. There'll be real preaching from the Word of God when the real Jesus is in the house. And you know what? If you don't like that kind of preaching, if you don't like real preaching from the real book, from a real God, then listen, friend, there's something wrong with your relationship with Christ. Because that book is true. Thus saith the Lord. And if you ever come into this church and you hear anything else but that kind of preaching, then I suggest to you, you get out of your seat and you don't walk out of this church. You run out of this church as fast as your little legs can carry you because Jesus has left the building. There will always be that kind of preaching here, wherever we move to, from the Word of God. That's how you know when the real Jesus is in the place. It's preaching from a real gospel. Well, we're running out of time. Bill Darby told me that he had a, a luncheon date today at, at noon. I had to have him out of here. So I think he already left. I don't know. I don't see him anywhere. Preaching will be practiced. Problems will be possible. Anytime there's a lot of people around, you know, I've always said if we get rid of all the people, you wouldn't have any problems in life, would you? There's Bill Darby. You wouldn't have, would it? People are the problem, aren't we? And so you see here's the same thing. Something's going on here. Let's look at Mark 2, 3, and 4. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And I don't know about you. If I'd been the owner of that home, Simon Peter, that would have upset me. Somebody cut a hole in my roof. There's a problem here. You know why there's problems in church? Because church is full of unpeople. You in, unpeople. It's true. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, I am that, but let me tell you. There's the unchurched people. We had a bus ministry up in Ohio where we attended church up there. A lot of kids came in. We had bunches of kids. None of them used to church. You know what happens when you have lots of bus children not used to church and you don't have lots of leaders, which is what we had. And we had this one leader, and he was well-meaning. He meant the best for everybody, but he decided he had this big brainstorm. I'm going to give all these bus kids a squirt gun. Now, he didn't give them a squirt pistol. He gave them a two-gallon squirt gun, one of those manly things, you know. And so they weren't well supervised. We didn't have enough people to supervise them. That was before service. Between the service, they found the water fountain. They filled those rascals up. And during the first two or three songs, the back two or three rows all got baptized. <laughs> unchurched people, you're going to have that. You're going to have some other unpeople in there too. I tell you what, take a look at that person next to you there today. Real, real quick, take a look at them. Don't be shy. Look at them. Look in their eyes. 
You know something about them? They are unusual, aren't they? Unusual. See, that brings up an important point. We're all different. We're all unique. There's another unword. And so because we're all unusual and we're all unique, we all have different perspectives. We have different ideas about music. We have different ideas about what version of the Bible we should read. We had different ideas about the building, the property. We all have different opinions. So you know what we need to do? When the real Jesus is present in your heart and when the real Jesus is present here in this house in our church, and I believe he is, when those problems arise and those differences come up, it will just draw us closer and closer and closer. It will just make us love each other more and more. Amen? We need that, don't we? Just love each other more. You know why? You know why, church? Because we're all going to the same place someday, a place called heaven. We're all on the same team. We're all wearing the same colors. We all sing the same songs, the song of the redeemed. Our name is written in the same book, the Lamb's Book of Life. We're in this for the same reason. We're in this for the same goal, and that's that souls might be saved. And we might take them to heaven with us someday. And something else, and why it's so important. There might be another group of unpeople in here called unsaved. And they're watching. They're watching how you conduct yourself. They're watching how you praise the Lord. They're watching to see if you have a negative attitude or if you really love the Lord. They're watching how well you get along with your Christian neighbor. And it just might make the difference between them accepting Christ and walking out of this building lost as lost can be. So problems will be possible. Problems will be possible. Let's look at how else we can identify when the real Jesus is in the house and in this heart. Pardon will be presented. This is one of my favorite parts. When Jesus saw their faith in verse 5, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. That little boy was saved. Accepted Christ that day. You'll see him in heaven someday. He might be sitting there talking with the woman at the well. He was saved. 1955, Lorraine Street Baptist Church in Ironton, Ohio. My sister Gail back there was there and playing the piano, I think. And I accepted Christ as my Savior. They sung the old song, Almost Persuaded, Almost But Lost. I thought, that's not going to be me. I went down that aisle, and I was pardoned. I was pardoned that day, just like this guy here. There's pardon in the house when, when Jesus is in the house. Pardon is presented. You see people saved when the real Jesus is here. The old poet said, I'd walk life's way with an easy tread. I'd follow where comforts and treasures led. Until one day in a quiet place, I met the master face to face. With station and rank and wealth my goal. Much thought for my body, but none for my soul. I'd entered to win life's mad race when... I met the master face to face. I met him. I knew him. I blushed to see his eyes full of sorrow were looking at me. I faltered and fell at his feet that day. All my castles had melted and vanished away. Melted and vanished, and in its place, what else could I see but the master's face? Well, I cried out loud, 
Lord, make me seek to walk in the steps of thy wondrous feet. My souls are now for the, my thoughts are now for the souls of men. You see, I lost my life that day in 1955 just to find it again. Ever since that day, in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. You know him today? Can you sing the song of the redeemed? Redeemed, oh, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by His infinite mercy, His child, and forever I am. Can you sing that today? Have you been redeemed? Have you been pardoned from your sins? I trust you have. I trust before you leave the service today, you will be. I trust there will be pardon in this place. Because I believe... Jesus is here. The real Jesus is here today, don't you? And pardon will be present. Let's look at something else. Pretenders. Pretenders will be pessimistic. Pretenders will be pessimistic. There was some fakes there that day. That's always the case in any assembly like this. There's folks that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And here they were, verses 6 and 7. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? These people are in every church. They're the negative people. They're folks that negative about everything, never a positive attitude. They're people that know about Jesus. They've got the head knowledge. They're what I call the 18-inch people. You know what the 18-inch people are? They know about him up here, but they don't have him down here. Because you see, Jesus changes you. They know about him, but they've never been changed. I put some names with him. You might have Sister Lou better than you. No offense to anybody named Lou in here. Her King James brother, Brother Al, better than thou, is in there. You know, doubtful Dan's and negative nannies. They're just all over the place. You know, how do you handle people like that? Because they're going to be in every church. How do you, how do, you do that? Take a vote from the deacons and kick them out? Not want to do that sometimes, but no. Love them. The Lord says to love them. Just pray that that knowledge will become a conviction and pass down into their heart, and they'll truly accept the real Jesus into their heart, and they'll get it then. They'll understand it then. So you have that group of people. But how, what's it all about? Where's it all come from? Where'd that pardon come from? Well, power will be preeminent. Power will be preeminent. Look at verses 10 and 11. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, rise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. Wow, what power Folks, do you realize that's the same power that was with the children of Israel when they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground? 
It's the same power that gave them manna from heaven for 40 years. It's the same power that gave them water from the rock. It's the same power that parted the Jordan River and let those folks cross over into the promised land. It's the same omnipotent power of God that will go with you when you're with a loved one in the hospital. It's the same power that will go with you through every valley in life that you have and across every mountain. It's the same power that saved your soul. It's the same power that's going to take us to heaven someday. It's the omnipotent power of Almighty God was present in that place today. And you see, when Jesus, the real Jesus, is in the house, you'll see that power at work in the house. Power, preeminent power. And when the real Jesus is in your heart, you have access to that power. You have access to that kind of power. Isn't that great? How can you lose in a situation like that? Power. What well, doesn't stop there? Something else happened here. Something happened rather unique that uh, I think where we maybe get one of our sayings today. Listen to this in verse 12. And immediately he rose and took up his bed and went forth before them all, insomuch they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. You ever hear him say in a Baptist church, We've never done it that way before? I, I think that's where they, they might have got that. He said, we've never done it on that fashion. You know what was going on here? Praise. When the real Jesus is in your house and in his house here, praise will be prolific. Praise will be prolific. Now, you're going to praise God maybe differently than I do. You'll notice sometimes, and you probably don't pay attention, but when people are clapping their hands, you know, and they're lifting their arms like that and doing all those things, that usually I just stand quiet. Well, there's reasons for that. One, I don't have any rhythm, so I can't clap my hands in time with the music, okay? So. And I have arthritis in my shoulder. That's why I don't do this very much. But trust me, I tell you what, I'm praising him right here, silently and quietly, however you might want to praise. Sometimes we'll praise singing that old song, It's Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that Saved a Wretch Like Me. But sometimes we'll sing a contemporary song, what a wonderful name, the name of Jesus. doesn't matter how you praise him. The important thing is that you do praise him because if the real Jesus lives inside of you, you can't help but praise him. And you can't help but praise him when you leave this place. The praise won't stop when you walk out the door. You're going to praise him when you're driving down the street. You're going to praise him when you are ironing. I started to say ladies, but that might sound like a sexist remark. Men can iron too, right? When you're ironing men, you can praise the Lord. When you're at work, you can praise the Lord. Hey, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you say, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Wow, there's just so much in this passage, so many ways to identify when the real Jesus is present. When he's present in your life. So people will be a priority. Preaching will be practiced. Problems will be possible. Pardon will be presented. Pretenders will be pessimistic. Power will be preeminent. And praise will be prolific. Can you say all those things fast seven times? 
God is so good. When the real Jesus is in your heart, you praise him all the time. You know the real Jesus. I trust you do. Lockridge, and we'll close with this. As the folks come, and we'll begin to have the invitation here in just a few minutes. Lockridge said this. He said, my, my king was, and I paraphrase this to suit my style. He said, my king was born a king. Talking about Jesus. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the king of righteousness. Is he your king? Do you know the, the real Jesus today? He went on to say he's immortally graceful. He's impartially merciful. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's enduringly strong. He is the real Jesus. He's august. He is the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He is supreme. He is unprecedented. He's unparalleled. He's unique. He went on to say he's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the highest personality in philosophy and the loftiest idea in, in literature. He's the only one able to supply all your needs simultaneously. He's available to the tempted and to the tried. He blesses the young. He cleanses the leper. He defends the weak. He delivers the captive. He forgives the sinner. He supplies strength to the weak. He sanctifies, he satisfies, and he saves. He's the real Jesus. Do you know him? You just know about him. Do you really know him? He's the captain of the conquerors, the door of deliverance, the governor of governors, the gateway to glory, the highway to heaven, the head of the heroes, the mightiest of the mighty, the overseers of the overcomer, the prince of princes, the road to righteousness. The wellspring of wisdom. Do you know him? Does he live right here? Do you know him? His burden is light. His goodness is limitless. His grace is sufficient. His mercy endureth forever. His love never changes. His reign is righteous. His word is enough. His yoke is easy. I wish I could describe him to you this morning. But he's indescribable. He's indispensable. He's irresistible. He's invincible. The heavens can't contain him, much less explain him. You can't get him off your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him. You can't live without him. He's a real Jesus. Do you know the real Jesus this morning? Pharisees couldn't stop him. They didn't like him, but they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find no fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. The cross couldn't hold him. And the grave couldn't keep him. He's the real Jesus. Do you know him? The world wants to get rid of him. But I'm here to tell you they're not going to impeach him. They're not going to fire him. And he's not going to resign. He was here when time began and he'll be here when time ends. He put the stars and the moon and the sun into the heavens and he'll be here when they're all gone. He's the real Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? Or you just know about him? I'm going to have an invitation here in just a second. I want you to come forward and meet the real Jesus this morning. You meet him right where you're at, but I want you to come forward. Meet the real Jesus.
let the pastors tell you about the real Jesus. You ask him to come into your heart. If you're here this morning and he used to occupy a prominent place in your life, he's still there but you've put him off to the side and, and he's just not as important to you now as you used to be. You used to sing in the choir. You used to teach Sunday school. You used to do these things but you don't anymore. What's happened to the real Jesus in your life? You've put him aside. I want to ask you to come and surrender again today to the real Jesus. There might be a life group leader that needs to come. There might be a deacon that needs to come. Dads, I would encourage you, bring your families this morning. Surrender them to the real Jesus today. But I encourage you to come and meet him face to face. Let's bow our heads. Close your eyes. You just talk to Jesus a little bit while I talk to him. And then we'll have invitation. Father, we thank you today for meeting us here in this place. You're so good to us. We thank you, Lord, for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit just now. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Lord, I am not able to compel people to make decisions, but you are. You are the mighty, powerful God who can do with your Holy Spirit what I can't do. So I pray, Lord, as people reflect on their situation, that you would stir their hearts with that power today. And may this be a brand new day for them. I turn it over to you, Lord. You said your word will not return unto you void. I pray all these things in Christ's name.